0: We're going to be sharing a word simply titled the roar from the wilderness but we're going to kind of tag team that is that all right because we believe over the next few minutes you're going to feel the presence of God walking here and I just want to warn you I want to warn you some of you are going to get stirred up whatever location you're at and some of you are going to feel God to heal your body because you cannot walk through hell and come out the same just ask Jesus and what you've been through is a great indication of who you're called to so you ready for this Let's do it. See, you have to understand something. I believe there's a roar that's rising up across America, a roar of righteousness where people see always, though, before the roar comes a quiet season. In fact, the greater the anointing, the greater the isolation. I love what it says in Psalms 34, verse 17. It says, yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, the Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all their troubles. When's the last time you cried out? When's the last time you walked through your house and said no? Devil, you can't have my marriage, you can't have my children, you can't have my finances, you can't have my my business, you can't have my... Somebody help me. See, it's about living somewhere between amen and there it is. It's about realizing that God is trying to turn you into something you never thought you could be because he's about to raise up, and Karen's going to talk about it in a moment. He's about to raise up the nobodies. But I'm reminded of Matthew 11, verse 12. It speaks of someone by the name of John the Baptist. Who was John the Baptist? He was the preparer of the way. He was the one that would declare who Jesus was. He was the cousin of Jesus. But the Bible says in Matthew 11, verse 12, since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. We looked up the word violent. Do you know what one of the definitions literally means? It means fierce, but fierce means to roar again. And I believe with all my heart, over the next few months in America, God is about to raise up the ones you never saw coming. But there will be those with a holy roar that says, I've been through some stuff back there, but he's anointed me to do something up here. I'm not giving up, letting up, shutting up till i preached up and declared up. Can we preach a simple word today titled the roar from the wilderness? But I must warn you, you might be disqualified from this sermon if you ain't been through nothing lately. Watch this word.
1: See, God raised up the John the Baptist, and I believe that he is raising up those to awaken the voices in the nation once again. He's looking for the John the Baptist in this generation. Will you be the voice of one crying in the wilderness? Will you be the one that rises up, that will go against culture, that will go against what the world is telling you that you should be? Will you go against that? Because we believe that God is about to raise up the nobodies, the oops, the accidents, the one that the world is giving up on, the one that no one saw coming because I believe that God is, when the world is looking at you and saying no way, God is saying Yahweh because he's looking for the ones that will literally declare there has got to be more than what I've settled for. There has got to be more than the world what the world has told me that I can become or what culture has told me that I'm limited to. He's saying I'm ready to raise up a voice that will bring freedom, a voice that will prepare the way for a last day move of God, a last day revival, an encounter with the one who can change everything in one moment. See, will you prepare that? Because there comes a moment where we have to live somewhere between destiny and circumstance, where we have to live in a place of freedom. Because remember, God had promised that a voice would rise up. He had promised that there would be one who would come before the Messiah, that there would be one that would come to prepare the way, and that prophecy was John the Baptist. He prepared the way for Jesus, because before Jesus can arrive on the scene, there has to be a roar that has to happen. There has to be a roar that awakens. Someone has to step out of their silence. Someone has to step out of their circumstances. Someone has to step out of the box that we put them in. And they have to prepare and they have to declare and they have to proclaim. There has to be a moment of roar. I love Isaiah 40 verse 3. It says, "He was a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God." See, he was the fulfillment of John 1:16 that says, "Then suddenly a man appeared who was sent from God, a messenger named John. We want to talk to you about John. We want to talk to you about who he was because in John 123, John stood up and declared and he answered them and he said, I am fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. I am an urgent thundering voice shouting in the desert. Clear the way, prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord. See, I God is looking for those that will stand up and declare, I am preparing the way of God. I am preparing a way for a move of God to happen because see, John would become a roar. He was the one who prepared the way but there is a part of the story that always gets left out. There's a part of this story that nobody wants to talk about because nobody wants to talk about the season of silence because no one wants to talk about the hibernation season where there's no words for what you're going through. Everyone just wants to roar. Everyone just wants to declare. But before the roar comes, there's always a period of silence. And it's hard for us to go through the silence in order to, to find our roar because there is a part, a key to how John the Baptist came into the world. It didn't start with a roar. It actually started with a mute. It started with a quiet season. It started with a season. Have you ever walked through a quiet season? Have you ever walked through a darkness, a quiet season where you just could not put into words what you were walking through, that you just couldn't voice the things that were going on inside your spirit? The voice, you couldn't put to words what God was doing in you, but you knew there was a moment that was going to arise where there was a roar that was building up inside of you that one day it was going to be able to be released, and when it does, it's going to send the enemy running. See, how many of you know that before your greatest miracle is usually your greatest test? See, Pat and I know what that's like because we have walked through a quiet season about a little over two years ago but I want to share with you because that we have to realize that I have learned far more in the silent seasons than I ever have in the victory and we need to understand that when there's a silent season that comes it's preparing us for the victory and the shout that God has for us but what will you do with that Because see, a little over two years ago, and I shared this, some of this at the women's conference, but a little over two years ago, I was standing at my kitchen sink, and I was just doing life, just doing normal. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said to me this. He said, Karen, you're about to walk through a difficult and uncertain season. And I rebuked it like it was the enemy, because I didn't want to believe that. But he said it again, he said, you're about to walk through a difficult and uncertain season, but do you trust me? See, he didn't ask me about my faith, because faith is a result of my encounter with him. I knew who he was. But trust goes a little bit deeper. It's a result of your relationship with him. And he said, Karen, do you trust me that I'll get you from point A to B? Do you trust me that whatever you're going to walk through, I'm the beginning, I'm the end, I'm the alpha, I'm the omega, I've already been to your future and I'm just waiting on you to get there. But will you trust me in the process? Will you trust me in the journey? Will you trust me when things get dark, when things get quiet, when things get silent? Will you trust that I'm already on the other side and I've already won the victory for you? See, there's a moment that comes where you have to trust. your faith graduates into trust but see about six months after he spoke that to me I found myself sitting in a room across from an oncologist out of nowhere it came out of the blue and that oncologist looked at me and he said these words to me he said Karen you have leukemia and in that moment Pat and I looked at each other and we rejected the diagnosis and I said, I know what you're telling me. I'm not crazy. I'm not psychotic. But I know that when God speaks an identity over his child, that the world cannot place something else on top of it. And so we began to go to war, Begin to go to war. You have to fight together. You have to war together. You have to link arms together. And over the course of the next year, every report, every diagnosis, until one day the doctor told me that he wanted to do a bone marrow biopsy. And I'm gonna tell you, there comes a moment where the silence gets broken, when your darkness gets interrupted by his light and his voice and the thundering of a roar. So I want you to watch this quick video, and I wanna show you, can I show you the day that Pat and I got our roar back from a diagnosis from the enemy? a year of different things went into the oncologist's office they drew blood and the first thing the doctor said when he walked into the room he said is i love being able to tell patients that you don't have to come back anymore and because all of my blood work came back normal today and that's what we were waiting for so no bone marrow um
0: It's God. See, God told us, told me.
1: levels were elevated and came back today after getting back from brazil and for the next blood test everything came back within normal range we serve a mighty
0: god oh you got to do better than that somebody help me get excited by the way that's the first time we've ever showed that video this morning in first service and just now at a church on a Sunday, and we felt certain in our heart to do so. And, and what you have to realize is husbands and wives, listen to me. The enemy wants your marriage. He wants your family. He wants your children. But if you learn the power of Matthew 18:19 of coming into agreement, when we went through that season every day, we would say no. Every morning we would get up and worship. Every night we would go to bed worshiping. And I'm learning if you'll praise him in the morning and praise him in the evening, you'll sandwich him in your day. Somebody help me. That's that's a red net word for sandwich. It's like battery. But what you have to realize is there comes a moment where you say no. That is not the promise. See, Karen and I both have a sleep disorder called revelation. Our kids hated it growing up. Amen. We gave them spankings before they did stuff. but. Y'all know when your mama walks in there, you know what I dreamed last night? Come here. (laughs) But I want to be honest with you. During the season, I went quiet. Traveling the world, preaching the world. We've traveled three million miles. Written seven books. We're health coaches. to Thousands of thousands of people taking their health back. We do all of that stuff. But during that season, I went very quiet. It was a season where I said, God, I don't know where you are. But I love the story of John the Baptist because there's a moment where Dad goes silent in this story, believe it or not. Can I tell you something, Dads? We need you to wake up. We need you to get up early in the morning and and pray in the Spirit over your family. To speak life to your family. When she would crawl out of bed and would be struggling in her body, I would say, no. No, you can't have her. When I felt held standing at the front door. But I want you to understand something. I have a lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah and he is roaring over this house and I hear the sound of a roar over this house. I hear the sound of a roar going out where God is saying, I'm going to take back the families in this place. This house has been put here by God in Tampa, in Central Florida to awaken, somebody help me preach. I'm going to get loud. But the Bible says that Zechariah the father of John the Baptist is standing in the temple one day. He and his precious wife, Elizabeth, godly people, had spent years wanting to have another child. Wow. They could not. The heartache. We know what that's like. That's why we went to China to get our daughter. And all of a sudden, one day, he's standing in the temple. In Luke chapter 1, verse 11, the Bible says the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, comes up to him. He's just like working at the altar. And he goes, hey. Zach goes, hey. Hey. And all of a sudden, he goes, God's heard your prayers. I'm going to give you a child. Your wife Elizabeth will have a child, and you are to protect him and keep him holy and don't let him get into the world's party scene. Guard his heart. That's what it says. He says, it goes on, and you'll bear a son and you'll name him John. Wait a minute, why didn't he name him Zach? In fact, there would be people that would get mad about that because everybody wants to name your child for you. Mmm. The Bible goes on to say, he even begins to quote Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, that he would turn the hearts of the children, On Elijah would come. that would turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. But then something happens to Zechariah. The Bible says he was full of fear at that moment and lack of faith. And the angel turns to him and says, I stand next to God every day, and you're doubting. Because of that big boy, you're not going to talk. You will not be able to talk until the baby is born. And quietness hit their house. Elizabeth is now pregnant with a baby that would set the world ablaze, prepare the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. But it was quiet first. They couldn't talk about the little boy, John, that was coming. They couldn't talk about the nursery. It was quiet. See, I know what it's like to go quiet. Because on the other side of that miracle doctor's report, I went quiet. Because we tend to backslide after the victory lethargy steps in the sister of fear and i'll never forget in september of 2018 lying in a hotel room in pennsylvania we were getting ready to go to europe i was exhausted and i was weary and i heard the voice of the lord whisper to me where did your roar go and i I sat up in the bed i said what he said where did your roar go and i said god i don't have a roar And he gave me a prophetic word. He said, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. They've lost their roar. They've lost their will to fight. Fear, exhaustion, and culture has taken the roar away. Tell my people to roar once again. And see, what you have to understand is we hurry. God is trying to say to this house right now, he wants to restore your roar. He wants to break some things off you. In fact, it got very quiet in our house during that season. We kept praying. We kept worshiping. I would get up every morning, and I would say, Alexa, play surrounded. I'd be thinking that government's listening in on that Alexa. Amen. (laughs) talking about it on Instagram pop up anyway but it was one of those mornings that God did a, God showed Karen something very powerful tell him about it babe
1: and it was in the quietness of one of those mornings that i was desperately in need of a miracle that i was finding myself in a place of fear that fear was overtaking me that quiet day in our home because fear accepted will steal your roar because trajectory Because tragedy has a trajectory, and it will steal your purpose. It will steal your identity. See, we were content to survive. I had been healed of cancer, but we were just surviving. And God wanted us to thrive during this season. We had lost our voice, and we had lost our roar because the battle had wore us out. But we learned that fear is just a learned or perceived aberration that grows into an absolute in our life. Fear is the thief of yesterday's dreams, the intimidator of today's promises, the emasculator of tomorrow's warriors. Fear is courage waiting to be awakened. Fear is the ability to manipulate the God truth in you and turn a promise from God into a doubt and a lie from the enemy into a truth. When fear enters your life, you can't breathe, you can't roar, but Job 33, 4 tells us, The Spirit of God has made me, but the breath of the Almighty gives me life. He's ready to breathe new life into you today. Because fear is not the absence of courage. It's courage waiting to be awakened. It's the embryo of courage. And on that one morning when I found myself battling with fear, God gave me a promise. He gave me a a formula for defeating fear. And he spoke to me and he said, Karen, I did not give you a spirit of fear. I gave you power, love, and a sound mind. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, he gave us this promise. And so many times we look over that scripture and we don't understand what it means, but we have to understand that when the world goes silent, when our life goes silent, when things are silent all around us, we have weapons that we can fight with in the silence that does not require a word to be said. Because he said he gave us power, which is dunamis. It's dynamite. It's the ability to walk in supernatural and miraculous signs and wonders. It's the ability to change the atmosphere. To walk in and declare that it doesn't matter what you see in the natural. I'm changing the atmosphere today. There will be life and not death. And he gave us love. Because 1 John 4.8 says that God is love. 1 John 4.18 tells us that perfect love casts out fear. It's the only word in the Bible that has a definition in 1 Corinthians that says love is patient, it's kind. It's it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it forgives, rejoices in truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. So that's why he gives us a sound mind. To walk through difficult and uncertain seasons, being able to discern between the truth and the lie of the enemy. And that word sound mind comes from Sophroneo, which means a mind that is delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, brought into a place of safety and security so that it's no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. So that's why we can declare 2 Corinthians 10 that says casting down imaginations, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Because see, in this time that we're living in the silence, we must quit divorcing God for a mistress called fear. And I love what Billy Sunday said. It says, fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and lo, no one was there.
0: You know, the Lord... Spoke to me that day, and he said, where did your roar go? So immediately, I started studying lions. I had never studied lions. I just saw some in Africa recently, and they thought they were going to eat us. (laughs) They're like southern fried chicken right here. (laughs) But I'll never forget, I began to study the five areas, and we wrote about it in the book, the five areas that a lion roars, because I didn't understand it. And all of a sudden, I pulled it up that lions roar to tell other lions where they're located to show how big they are, to warn lions from other prides to keep away from their home territory. They also roar when they're hungry, and they do this mostly just before sunrise and sunset when they're most active. Well, I know that Revelation 5.5 says that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. I know that he roared on the cross, but I I didn't understand it. So we begin to go deeper. How do we apply this to our life? The five reasons that lions roar. Why don't you tell them?
1: The first reason a lion roars is to declare his location to the other lions. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not the lion. He just imitates the lion, but we know who the lion is. The second roar is he roars to declare his strength. Proverbs 28 1 says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Number three, they roar to warn others that this is their territory, that this is God's territory. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Walk around the perimeter of your house, declare that this is God's territory. Number four, they roar when they are hungry. Amos 3, 4 says, does a lion roar in the forest if there's no carcass to devour? Does a young lion growl with pleasure if he hasn't caught his supper? You have to crave, you have to desire, you have to hunger after God. And the fifth reason they roar is they roar in the morning and the evening. Psalm 92 says, it's good to praise the Lord and make music, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. If you'll praise him when you wake up and praise him when you go to bed, then he'll fix the middle of the day.
0: See, what's amazing is when we walk through that, we're going to take your hand and we go to bed and we be praying. Because we're best friends. You want a marriage conference? Here's your marriage conference. Fight. 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 We've always said it. And if you get in a real fight, the best way to stop a fight is start praying or take off your clothes. Anyway, it's one of those. But... (laughs) I saw some men go, baby, you want to fight? <laughs> Come on, worship team. I want to invite the worship team at all the campuses. Something powerful happens right here. We know John is the voice of one who cries in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. But you know what I've learned? The roar comes back when identity is revealed. Elizabeth's pregnant. The house is quiet. is sitting over there mute. Because he doubted God. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is pregnant with with Jesus. And in Luke 1, verse 41, she comes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. When she walks in the door, the baby, John the Baptist, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. You better know it, mom and dad. Your kids will know it when Jesus comes in the house. And they also know it when the devil comes in. You better be careful what you're binge watching. You better be careful what you're letting walk in your house. Some of you need to go home today and say, we're taking back our family. We did it. My daughter walked past her bedroom the other day, and she's like, there's oil on my door. It's a cross. She said, where'd it come from? I went, I don't know. It's my morning. (laughs) The Bible says that the day John the Baptist is born, Zacharias, his dad is still quiet. But the name John means gift from Jehovah. The roar comes back when identity is revealed. What do you mean? They take the little boy to be circumcised in the Jewish household, eighth day circumcision. And all of a sudden, everyone around the family, John chapter one, I believe it's verse 59. They're all standing around. And all of a sudden they go, hey, what you going to name him? Little Zach? Let's call him Little Zach. LZ. And Elizabeth goes, no. God told me to call him John. And they're like, John? Ain't nobody in this house ever been named John. Can't name him that. He can't follow in his daddy's footsteps. And the Bible says they turn to the father who's been mute, who's been quiet for too long. Who's been... Screaming at ball games, but quiet when the kids need someone to lay hands on them when they're sick. They turn to Zacharias and they go, what you going to name him? This is family for you because everyone around you will try to identify your child and tell them what the identity of your child is, including culture. From professors to pundits. They'll tell you, let culture say what your child is. That is a lie. We live in a generation that'll kill the child in the womb, and then when they are born, try to kill their spirit when they're alive. And the Bible says that all of a sudden, I'm looking, I'm, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. I don't care what culture has said your child is, mom and dad, you're the gatekeeper step into that front door of your house and say no not my family I don't care what they were told at school I don't want to care what some teacher falsely prophesied over them I don't care what friends have called them or picked on them I am taking my baby back I'm taking my family back and at that exact moment they turn to Zachariah and they go what you gonna call him dad and dad grabs a sheet of paper and all of a sudden he writes the words John and when he did his voice came back and he starts praising God out loud when you declare identity to your children the roar comes back when you get bold enough to say I don't care what anybody else says I don't care what the world calls him. My child is a gift from Jehovah. My family was put together by God. There's not an illegitimate child, just illegitimate parents. And the Bible says, 30 years later, little John's grown up. He's walking along. And because dad was willing to declare who he was. Little John. Johnny. Was walking along. And he said, there's one coming whose sandals I'm not worthy to wear. I baptize you in water, but he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking up and John declared identity. If dad declared identity, then your child will declare identity. And all of a sudden he goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet and give God a praise across his house. but let me tell you the lamb he would point out would go to the cross as a lamb just Isaiah prophesied that in Isaiah 54 see some of y'all think like Old Testament, New Testament they don't work together they are intertwined Isaiah prophesied a lamb would be led to the slaughter and that lamb that little Johnny pointed out would be led to a cross for me But when he would get on that cross, according to Mark chapter 15, he would let out a roar. And he would let out a roar, and according to John chapter 19, he would declare it is finished. And that roar would go all the way 2,000 years to my father, who was a drug dealer in Detroit, who got saved in a bathroom floor in Detroit, Michigan, to my bedroom at 16 years old. And that roar of identity and declaration that you are a child of God is going out again. And it's across this room, and God is saying, I'm looking for somebody that will lift their hands and pray. Praise me no matter what you felt lately and give God all of you no matter what so somebody help me praise him. Come on, Heights, come on, Saint Pete, come on, Brandon. Our son was born in Brandon. Come on, Tampa. Every eye shut across his place. If he can roar for me, when the Bible says if we confess with our mouth, that's the roar. And believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm not talking about just some little, yeah, you're you're God. I'm talking about a confession. Depth from within. Heart surgery. Every eye shut. There are people in this room that God is saying, I am roaring over your family. I'm roaring over your children. I'm roaring over your past. I'm roaring over what you've been through. Come on, single mama. Come on, grandfather. And he has written your name down, the Bible says. He's written your identity on his hand. He didn't write it on a sheet of paper. He wrote it on his hand. And it's written upon a rock. And every eye shut across his place, God says, I'm going to restore your identity today. And with your eyes shut, you say, I want God to change my life right now. I need to sell out to him with your eyes shut if that's you i ain't gonna beg you from whatever wherever you're at if you need god i love what pastor aaron said to me early this morning on facetime he said don't forget to give him a chance what a pastor and with every eyes shut if you say i need god to change my life and change my identity and i want him to roar over me so i can roar for him raise your hand now if you come on raise it up high Raise it up high, raise it up high, raise it up high. (laughs) All over the house, raise it up high. Whatever campus you're at, raise it high. Now raise the other hand. You got to get bold. You got to put yourself on the cross for a second. Now, everybody else, join them with all these hands that are raised all over this place. Pray this out loud. Say, Dear Jesus. Come on, be bold, man. Be bold. Say it loudly. Say, Dear Jesus. I'll tell you what, say it like your kids are about to walk out in front of a car. That kind of unction. And you're screaming at him, dear Jesus, I choose you. You first chose me. You gave your life for me. I give you my life. Forgive me. Jesus, you're the lion that's roaring over me right now. So in Jesus, so Jesus, forgive me, change me, restore me. Now, everybody in the house, raise your hands and say this out loud. Say, Jesus, roar over my family today. Roar over my life today. I give you my praise. Give God a shout across this house.